0: Every team, every topic,
1: everywhere, this is Believe.
0: Hey, here we go, here we go, here we go. We're back. It is episode number two here on Believe in Horse Racing with Ken Rudolph. Thank you so much for hanging out with us again. You know, you can find this podcast courtesy of the good folks over there at the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. You can find this pretty much anywhere that you get your podcasts. And do me a favor when you get there. Go ahead and do what you do. Rate us, review us, help us out so we can keep it pushing, baby, if you don't mind. We are here for the second episode. We got off to a great start last week, able to break our maiden, as they say in horse racing, with the top trainer in all of thoroughbred racing, the Hall of Famer, the two-time Triple Crown winner Bob Baffert and his wife Jill Baffert. They won both divisions of the Arkansas Derby with Nadal and Charlatan, and they looked fantastic doing that. So we'll get back into that whole Kentucky Derby Triple Crown thing, and we'll kind of stay in that thing a little bit this week, because our guest today is Big Money Mike. That's Mike Smith, a.k.a. Michael Earl Smith. Probably one of the top jockeys in the country, if not the top jockey, especially when it comes to winning big races. No one has won more Grade 1 races of the jockey than Mike Smith. He's won more Breeders' Cup races than any other jockey, and he's earned more than $328 million in counting on the track. Mike is the epitome of a big money rider. We'll talk to Mike Smith about some of the greatest rides in the past, including Giacomo and Zenyatta, and Justify. And Richards kid, we'll get into all that stuff coming up. Plus, at the end, we'll jump into Long Shots Lounge. But we're going to start with our first handicapper, our first player, my kind of people. He is known as Beat the Chalk on Twitter. Also, the handle is Too Close to Call. His name is Chris, and uh, he's from Jamaica. And we're going to talk just about whatever big races we want to choose this weekend and find you some prices to play in Long Shot Lounge. But before we get to that, of course, we will be talking to Mike Smith. And so I kind of want to set the tone for you a little bit, because today's kind of a celebratory situation this week for Mike Smith and myself and anyone else who was uh, lucky enough to jump on board at 50 to 1 for Giacomo in the 2005 Kentucky Derby. Well, that took place on May the 7th and when this podcast is released, it will be May 7th, 2020. So 15 years since that outstanding ride from Mike which earned him his first Kentucky Derby victory and um, really kind of helped kind of cement my confidence that I could try to figure this game out. I've been in 20 years in horse racing and I'm like, yeah, there's still stuff I don't understand but I get the basic concept of horses and handicapping. And so that was just a great day where everything that I I thought, it worked out and it came to fruition. So combined, um, I think after I'd done everything together, it came up to be $100 in win wagers. The thing that upset me on Kentucky Derby Day and still upsets me to this day, and it's kind of the reason, or one of the reasons why I want to do a show like this for newcomers, not just newcomers, but people who may not be, in the industry, and may not be around horse racing every day, and may not know every single angle you should play when it comes down to big races or any race. But we had finished up, and the and the race was was over, and we'd all celebrated. Of course, I celebrated, and um, and then as we got set to do a recap show on TVG, I distinctly remember one of our directors saying to me in my ear, he said to me, "Man." Would have been even better if you would have also played the exacta. And that's when I got mad because the exacta on that particular day paid about $9,800 uh, on the $2 exacta, so almost $10,000 on the $2 exacta. And the director says to me, he says, Yeah, all you had to do was key your horse on top and then put all in the number two spot. And I looked at him, I said, How much would that have cost me? He's like, well, there was like 20 horses in the race. So a dollar exacta, you key your horse on top, it costs you about $19. And I, right then, I remember I had that $20 voucher in my pocket, and I decided to go put in another win wager. I could have used that for the exacta. So that's one of those things that I still carry with me. And I made sure that I didn't make that mistake again in the 2019 Kentucky Derby when I picked Country House at 65 to 1. I bet him to win, not as heavily as I did Giacomo. But then I also came right back and then I keyed him on top in the exacta. I didn't get quite the value that I would have, you know, had I had a horse like closing argument, that type of price running second. But uh, I still felt better about the fact that I had covered all of the wagers that I should have put forth on a big day like that. Okay, Uh, there it is. I've had my moment. I'm done. All right. Let's get into what's happening in this uh, second week of Believe in Horse Racing. It's time to go check in with the Hall of Fame rider. Mr. Michael Earl Smith. Michael Earl Smith, happy anniversary. 15 years ago, you made me rich with a wonderful money ride on Giacomo in the Kentucky Derby. How you doing, brother?
2: I'm doing wonderful. Thank you, man. Thanks for uh, bringing that up. It just gave me goosebumps all over again.
0: (laughs) Anytime we are mentioned, it is because of that. And uh, you changed my whole life just by giving me the heads up. And then of course we followed him all the way through as he made his way uh, into the Kentucky Derby. The beauty of that for me, Mike, is I put that with your other Kentucky Derby victory and justify and those are the two scenarios that I envision derbies. like either you have justify who no one can beat and you just go out there and run them around or it's completely wide open they scramble and then here comes a closer to gobble it up. Those are the two scenarios for me in the Kentucky Derby. And I feel like you exemplified that with both rides.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, going in with Giacomo, of course, you know, Ken, as you well know, we were the underdog going in. We hadn't won any of the major preps going in, but we were running really well, like sneaky Goodwill of. Uh, at the time, you know, California tracks were really, really fast uh, and, and the surfaces weren't suiting him. Uh, the running styles were. He would just come running, but he never could get to him. Uh, but galloping out, he would really gallop out really good and, and right with the winner or, or whoever it was that, that, that won and on past him, you know, on, the, on his gallop out. So I knew that, that down the road, once we got off out of California and back, back uh, to Kentucky, that, that especially with that long lane at Churchill Downs, that should really suit him uh, the, the top contenders. And there were some good ones in there that year. If you remember, uh, there was some really good horses, but they all kind of had the same kind of running style. They were yep necessarily need the lead, but they were always on the pace or pressing the pace. And, and, and I was just going to sit back there and make that one big, huge run that I knew this colt had in him. And, and it, it all just, it all just worked out. The pace scenario was just like I thought it was. It was really quick early. It was quick in the middle. Uh, and then I was able to cut some corners and somehow find my way out, uh, you know to get a clear run at him down the lane and then you switch over to to justifies uh derby ken where where man he was he was the man uh, amongst boys he stood out and i thought man i could just take the race to him from the beginning and just let's see if they can catch me or keep up with me because he was that good uh so it was two different kind of two different kind of strategies and and uh, you know it's blessed that they both worked out uh, yeah, of was- course also ridden the derby you know 25 other times and it didn't work out. <laughs>
0: right, you have to get the perfect scenario to work out. And that's the beauty of the Giacomo thing that I will always cherish because I'm new, I'm still trying to figure out the game. And and the thing that I kind of gravitated towards first was the sexy closer. Like I loved watching a horse come from way off the pace and run them down. And I remember watching Giacomo, I want to say the old Hollywood Futurity. And he ran behind Declan's Moon.
2: Ron Ellis right? that was on Ellis's, right? Yeah, the-
0: and that horse was fast. And I remember that Giacomo was coming late in that race. And I remember watching that race and I said, Mike Smith told me about that horse. I see what he sees now. I can see it now. I love that horse. I just remember
2: when he got over it. First of all, I, I, you know, I knew he was was a talented colt. He could really run. You know, he might not been the star that, that, that some of, they thought that some of the others were, but, but I knew that he could really finish and he could get the mile and a quarter and he'd close The, the biggest key to, to that, to saying that as well was, you know, uh, I remember when his father, Holy Bull, ran. He was a huge favorite in the Kentucky Derby, and he, he just didn't handle Churchill Downs at all. He just didn't like that, that surface whatsoever. And that was my only concern going in with now a son of Holy Bull, you know, Giacomo, was how is he going to get over the track? And I swear, I remember watching him gallop the first morning. He just galloped. And sometimes it's hard to tell you know, on galloping if they like it or not. But, I mean, he was literally skipping over the ground like a deer. And I remember asking uh, Frank, the kid that was getting on in the gallop boy, what he felt like. He said, man, Mike, he likes his surface better than, than back home. And, and and that just gave me even more confidence. And that's when that's when I really, really knew that, that – uh, I remember calling one of my best friends, which you know really well, too, Ken, uh, Brian Cox. B. Cox, yep. Yeah, <laughs> football player. And I said, man, you better come. Because he wasn't sure he was going to come or not. He was going to drive down. I said, no, I think you better come. And I got him to come on down, him and another buddy
0: of mine, Tom Leonard. I said, I'm telling you, I'm going I'm to win this derby. Yeah. That trickled back to me, Mike, because I heard that you had called BC and then because BC got in touch with us. And then Gary Stevens was there watching. And then Gary jumped on the phone and was like, Ken, your horse looks really good. Mike thinks he has a great shot. And then BC was like, yeah, man, we're going to go all in on this. And so I was like, well, I don't want to be left out. And I've been talking about the horse for six months, so I better stay with this. And so I was so happy that I, I stuck around and we made that come together. Mike, do you know, I've only been upset at the racetrack three times in my life. Two times I cried. One time I got mad and I threw a chair. Uh, yeah. I threw a chair at the track, Mike. <laughs> I was all the way up at the top of uh, Churchill Downs. We were doing our show from all the way up there. And so I couldn't go down. I had to stay up there on the, on the roof and watch from there because we were going to do the show immediately when it was over. And, you know, all of us just love your connection with Zenyatta and just every come on, man, that she's just the most beautiful mare I think I've ever seen in my entire life. And everything about her was just exceptional. And when, uh, you know, you guys ran your race and we know what happened and didn't quite get there. I picked up a lawn chair and I threw it across the the set and uh, luckily nobody saw me. Um, But that was really such an incredible experience. And you know what I love the most about that, Mike, is that you you took the blame. And even though none of us believe it's your responsibility, I don't think so. But I loved how you took the responsibility. How difficult was that for you to do that?
2: You know, it was difficult because in, in in my eyes, she never did, and still has never done nothing wrong. Uh, you know, and I and I think even in, in defeat, I, I think she showed how talented she really was. You know, what but whatever reason we we didn't get away that first quarter of a mile, you know even even slower than what she normally would do. Cause she'd be back there a lot of times. And you gotta remember too, the race was run a whole lot quicker than what she's normally used to as well. And, and, and she just kind of left there. I don't never just didn't get up on her feet and get running the first hundred or so yards. And and then, and then I, I, I'm, I'm really not sure if she saw that second flight of horses that were up in front of her. I mean, you could, cause it was like two separate races. If you'll go back and look at it. You know, she's 10 lengths behind the first bunch and then in front of that bunch is another 10 links is where the rest of them were. And, and it's, it, I don't know if she ever really realized until we headed for home that, Oh shoot, man, I got other ones to run down. And and, and for her to still come within a nose of beating and look, let me tell you something, blame one, just some horse. I mean, he was a serious horse, a uh, champion in his own right. Uh, never got beat at Churchill downs. Uh, that's probably his, was his favorite racetrack. I think he was like, I don't know, four for four or six for six on that racetrack, uh, so that you know, we're on his kind of home turf, and for her to only get beat a nose by him uh, that day after after falling back so far was just an incredible race. And I, could I could I have it all over again? Would I would I change anything? Of course I would. I, uh, otherwise, I finished sec I finished second again. So I couldn't ever tell you that I wouldn't change anything. What what that would be? I'm not sure. You know, I'd have to just be back in the situation again and see what I, what I, what I would do. But uh, like I said, in my eyes, she never did nothing wrong. If it was anyone's fault, I'm always going to blame me.
0: You know, I think about you talking about kind of having uh, a second career. I'm, some might consider this a third wave for you, Mike, because obviously when you started out in the 90s, you really proved yourself to be an outstanding writer. And you make your way through. And then in 1998, you have two accidents. right? I think you hurt your shoulder in March. And that forces you to take some time off. And then, of course, the major spill at Saratoga in that year where you break the two vertebrae in your back and you're out for for months, you're in a body cast, that that kind of signals the second wave of your career. And then when you come to California, didn't you go, did you not win like the first 40 some odd mounts when you came back from your, your injury?
2: Uh, I, I don't know if it was when I first got here, but yeah, there was a slump that I went into and, and when where all of a sudden, you know, I started. You know, because when I came out to California, there for a little while, I got on a run. You know, I had a good Breeders' Cup a season a couple of years after I got out here with with Azari. You remember Azari? And
0: vindication. Yeah, I remember all that run for you. Yeah.
2: And that was a great run, but then after that, boom, man! After I hit a wall, all of a sudden, where where man, nothing was going my way, and that's when I kind of went for that over for a run, and and hell, I thought shit, maybe this is over. This is I'm done. You know, i to figure out something else to do, and and. Uh, just kept working through it, working through it. And then, you know, hooked up with, with John sheriffs and, and next thing you know, bam, man, e- everything just, just took off, you know, uh, just incredible. It was, it was. It was. I think yeah. about
0: that, that, that time in 98, when you were forced into that, that kind of a back brace, a body cast for all that time, did you feel confident you were going to be able to come back and ride again? Hey man,
2: it, it 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 hurt for a long time. To ride too many if I rode it seemed like if I rode over two two races it, it would just spasm up so bad and I could hardly move in the jocks room you know so I many I struggled for a while and of course it showed you know on, on the racetrack I probably came back too soon and you know that's why it took me so long to come back and that's probably why I left New York to be honest with you because I just I wasn't doing as well as I, I, I thought I would be doing and like like you said, you know, I've had that three way run, and then after you know hooking up with John and everything, and having a tremendous run there, we kind of I kind of got quiet there again, and then and then man, you hook up with Bob, and you know Bob's gonna bring you you know from the dead, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you did your part as well.
2: Yeah, he brought me back to life again, man. It was just you know it's it's been an incredible run, incredible career. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it with anyone else's with anybody else's career. I might've done a thing they're two different here and there, but all in all, man, I'm, I'm pretty proud of what we've been able to accomplish.
0: You know, the thing about jockeys that I think a lot of people don't know is how hard you guys study, how hard you men and women study before the race. And one of the funniest things that I've ever seen in my life is coming into the jocks room and seeing you and you've got silks, but you've got slippers on and a robe and reading glasses. And you're over there looking at the form, <laughs> and I love that because was Gary Stevens, all the guys are the same. You go into the jock stream and I'm like, "Who are these old men?" But then you guys put that helmet on, man, and everything changes. <laughs> it's like, no, that's an athlete right there. It is really amazing. You guys are pretty much every athlete in one.
2: Well, we certainly all try to be. I mean, I work as hard as I can. Oh. Uh, a lot of people uh, that don't know anything about riders, you know, they 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 put they put a, they they have to keep their weight at a certain, you know, my weight hasn't fluctuated. Well, most riders' weight haven't fluctuated, probably ten pounds their whole life. You know, they keep it they keep it somewhere in there the whole time, and and how hard it is to stay in that position and 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 to to ask a horse that, that that's that, that's that big and powerful you know to run and depending on where, where you have to ask him how far out how hard it is uh, you'd be amazed at it uh, I love to put some really top athletes on a horse just one time and then let's watch them try and walk back to the jocks room after they get off man
0: you get the wobbles pretty bad <laughs> <laughs> it is really amazing do do you feel when other athletes meet you guys do you feel like they Respect you as one of them, or do they put you in a separate category? What's the feeling that you get when you meet other high level athletes, professionals?
2: You know, you know, and there's another surprising thing that people wouldn't know. Man, it's amazing how many athletes outside of, uh, you know, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, especially as well, uh, that are so into horse racing, man. They absolutely love it. Sometimes they meet us and, and they, they treat us like we're the stars, man. And I'm like, <laughs> you kidding me, man? That's you know, that's Mario Rivera, or that's, you know, this guy, <laughs> that's that guy, or, yeah. or Brian Cotton, and they're crazier about you than you would, you would be some other great athlete, it's, it's, it's really strange, but uh, there's, I've, I've met so many people in other sports, and coaches as well, I mean, you look at Mr. Belichick, Bill Belichick, man, he followed, uh, Justify through the whole Triple Crown, he came to all three races with us, man, it was, it was a blast, I mean, it's pretty neat when you get to to, to be around people like that and, and and just watch see how much they appreciate the sport and they appreciate us.
0: You know, Mike, I think about everyone is obviously really wrapped up in this um, the last dance documentary about Michael Jordan and the Bulls and their run, and we're getting really a, a rare glimpse into the competitive, vindictive nature of Michael Jordan and how you have to kind of have that drive to win. But in order for you to win more than 5,500 races and earn all the money that you've earned in grade ones, you have to be competitive. You're competitive, but are you vindictive?
2: <laughs> when I'm out on the track, yeah, without a doubt, man, I'm, I'm looking to, to, to do all I can to win uh, in, in, within the rules, of course, uh, but all, all, as soon as I step off, that's, that's where everything you need to learn to, to, to keep the two separate. You gotta need to learn to be a humble winner and a gracious loser and, and you know, you gotta. You know, anybody can talk to the press and 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 speak and and be you know all pumped up and and give a great speech or, or a great interview when when you've won. But but can can you can you do can you speak to the press and, and and give a great interview and everything else when you've gotten beaten? You were supposed to have won. You know that that's also something in it that, that that's very important as well. Uh, you gotta be able to take take both because if you don't, and you can't. Then you're not going to be both, to be honest with you. And even though as competitive as Michael was, man, he'd always go and shake the other people's hand if they beat him, and and and, and had something to say about it afterwards uh, in a in a good, positive way, so that he'd get back the following year and he would become the champion. So you see how how he he, he finally got there, and and how he knew what it took to get there, and how you got to keep at it to stay there. We're all so competitive, uh, but again, it's a dangerous sport. It's a bit different, you know. Uh, you know on a horse you, you can well, you can kill somebody so you have to have you have to follow the rules you have to have respect for other people especially other horses as well because they could get hurt whenever you, you you know use them for bumper cars and stuff like that but there's you know there's tactics you can play that that are safe and within the rules that 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 when you get real good at them they, they can help you beat a horse when you're maybe not not better than him so you know i'll i'll do what it takes to win but all within the rules and then you got to learn to really handle yourself as a champion win, lose, withdrawal.
0: draw. So it's, we're getting into the beginning of May. And according to the Equibase stats, you have not ridden on a horse since March 22nd. Does that sound right to you?
2: Yeah, I guess, man. It's, it's been a while, uh,
0: <laughs> quite That's a while. Crazy, Mike, how are you staying in, sh- I mean, like, I know you work out like crazy, but there's a difference. Everyone talks about, you know, uh, game speed and working out, are two different things. Practice speed, game speed, completely different. Do you feel like you lose just a hair of your edge if you're not on a horse for more than thirty days?
2: You know, I got my I just kind of work out at home and I just double up on my cardio. So now in, instead of running, you know, say three miles every day, now I've been running five and then I've been riding my bike anywhere from fifteen to twenty after that. Uh just about just about four to five times a week. So, you know, endurance wise, cardio wise, I'm gonna be really fit. It's just going to take a race or two just to get the feeling back, man. And and it ain't going to take long. I've been doing this for almost I'm going on 39 years now, cancel. So. And and again, you got to understand too, I you know, I don't ride every every day like a lot of these guys do now. I usually ride once twice a week. <laughs> Most of the time, sometimes three, and and so I'm kind of used to a little bit of this, although this is going to be the longest without being injured that I've been off. But it shouldn't take but just going out and breezing a couple of horses just to get the feeling back and I should be fine.
0: So you, you mentioned how you're coming up on about 39 years of experience in racing. Is there any finish line for you? Do you have a goal you're looking at?
2: You know, it's to be able to do some of the wonderful, blessed things that I've been able to do, win another Derby, uh, who knows, another Triple Crown. I, I, I'm gonna dream, I'm gonna dream big. And and it's possible, I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape. If I did, if I'd done anything right, really right in my in my life and my career is in my early 20s man I got into physical fitness and I've made it a way of life and it's really paying off later on in, in, in life man. that's that's one thing I've just I started you know taking care of my body and 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 I'm working out in the gym a lot and it, so right now man at the age of well I'm 54 man I'm telling you I'm every bit as good in shape as when I was in my 30s if 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 I can if I can stay healthy and and, and avoid any major spills, but Lord's willing, and, and still being able and, and blessed to ride these horses that I'm, that, you know, these people are still asking me to ride, man, there, there's a chance for all that. And I, I would just like to do all that again, because there's th- that feeling of winning any of those classic races or like the triple crown, man, it's a feeling like no other. And, and you can't ever, the only time you can get it is, is this, if you, if you, if you've done it or if you do it again,
0: and I, I just want to do it again,
2: <laughs> really bad.
0: I wish you could give people that feeling. I, I always wonder how you guys manage to remain composed. Like every time, whether it's Giacomo, Giacomo is exciting for me, but really the one where I feel like how does Mikey stay on the horse is Zenyatta. And what I mean by that is once you pass the wire, it's so exhilarating that I would feel like that I would just want to jump off the horse and fly. (laughs) <laughs> like I would feel like, oh my goodness, this is the greatest thing ever. I just, I can fly now. And I would just want to jump off the horse and be like, yeah, this is the greatest. How do you do? Then you, you get go. off the best feeling that, that you'll ever
2: feel. And that's being blessed to have been, been on her or, or these great horses that I've been blessed to ride. Being on top of them and, 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 and feeling that power that they have and, and, and the speed is it's crazy. Well, it's, it's an amazing feeling. You don't want to get off. You, you want to stay on. You know, and you become a fan. I, I remember there's been so many times in some of these great ra- races that I've been blessed to have won that, that you know, you know halfway through the stretch, I, I'm I'm a fan like everybody else. I, I can't believe what they're doing. I'm like, look at this. And you got come on. Look. I I start cheering for them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm riding them. <laughs>
0: Was, are there times in those races, whether it's Zenyatta, whether it's uh, Giacomo, whether it's Drosselmeyer, which I thought was really a great run from you from off the pace, are there times when you're 200 yards, 300 yards away, and you're like, I got you guys. You don't even know I'm coming, but I got you.
2: Oh, yeah, especially when you're coming from off the pace, like like Zenyatta did all the time. Or, or uh, to be honest with you, even with Justify in the Triple Crown, I, I remember leaving the gate uh, in the Belmont going in that first turn and, and and just coming out of the first turn man i I had to make myself keep wiping the smile off my face I said hey man we got a long way to go stop that and but that's how confident I felt and that's how good he was moving and, and I just I just knew they weren't going to beat him and and I remember at the oh about the three and a half of generoroso uh, came to me and, and and when he got up to my hip, I just squeezed a, justify a little man. He, and he spurted away like it was nothing. I said, oh, my God, I'm going to win the triple crown. And I had to make stop that, man. Keep You got to <laughs> keep going now, keep riding. And I, I said, don't override him. Don't underride him. Just keep him going just the way he's going. Just stay, just stay. And then I, at the 16th the, the pole of wire, let me tell you something. I had a smile on my face. I, I I think I just started floating. There was no no more weight on his back. I was just floating. And <laughs> it was the most incredible out-of-body experience that I've ever felt uh, the most humble by far that I've ever felt all you want to do is stop and talk and tell everybody about
0: it. Bob Baffert told a story about how when he had Richard's kid the first time in the Pacific Classic he couldn't find a rider and only one he could find was you and you pulled off another one of those Mike Smith rides from the clouds and uh, Richard's kid won that day at about uh, 25 to 1. I remember I bet that horse and I was like yeah but what do you remember about that, about getting that mount the first time on in the Pacific Classic? Well,
2: yeah, he, when he came to me, he said, well, I'm gonna put you on him." he said, but you're gonna have to give me one of those Hall of Fame rides, otherwise we won't win this thing. And I was blessed to, to, to pull it off. Right? It and was, it was a great race and he ran it incredibly well. Never rode the horse again till the following year. And now it's a different owner though. And Bob still got him and he said, listen, I'm gonna put you back on him again, the same race. Uh, the pacific classic and gonna have to give me one of those again and i, I did it twice on him <laughs>
0: yeah it was a nice I horse did
2: it twice on him so yeah he was a really neat horse and he was a horse that you didn't you know he didn't win the big ones all the time but man when he fires a plus race he was tough to beat and that was he
0: was always a cool horse and it's an it's incredible to believe that you're getting better as you're getting older mike smith um, you found happiness in your home, uh, and I have to say, I've told people, and I've told you, I thought there would never be a day when Michael Earl Smith would say "I do" and get married. Uh, you did. How's that working out for you?
2: <laughs> oh, wonderful, man! I tell you what,
0: uh, you know, we dated for quite a while. We dated for uh,
2: about seven years, off and on. I mean, and the only time you know we would break up is she, she, you know, she, she was, she's never been married before, and 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 I had been early on in my life, and 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 was married for quite a while and got a divorce and been divorced for, for a long time and when I met Cynthia. And then we were really good friends to start with before we started dating. And then we started dating and then became even better friends as we were dating. And so when she broke up with me the last time, cause I, I, I said, well, give me some more time. She said, more time. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting older. And then, you know, you figure that out. I think we just need to go ahead and just be friends. And I said, oh no, no. Not. And I didn't. man, I tell you what, we were apart almost a year and it, it just got so bad, I couldn't stand it. So I, I literally, when pre- Christmas came, I asked her to come over. because I told her I got her a gift, and we were just friends, and I, it was a ring.
0: <laughs> nice. Oh so, yeah,
2: I, I proposed to her when we weren't even together. <laughs> I said, I got I to marry my best friend. I can't be without her.
0: I'm so happy for you both, especially, man, because you're just an outstanding individual, Mike. You're like a great, great, great guy. I love your brother, Ray. That dude's awesome. <laughs> well, the family loves you. You know that. They're, they're they're big fans of yours.
2: I, I can't wait to tell them I, I did this podcast with you. Him and my mom, they'll they'll be on it listening.
0: Hey, Mike, I appreciate your time, buddy. Uh, I know you're going to stay strong and stay healthy, and uh, hopefully, we'll see you out there at the track real soon, and uh, we'll get you in the mix hopefully for the Kentucky Derby with a nice contender coming up here in September.
2: Well, thank you, thank you, and so nice being on. I really enjoyed this, and man, God bless you. Stay safe, buddy. Yo, here comes
0: Georgia. we go we are back it's time to find what we call the sure shot for you to play this weekend this is long shot lounge as we wrap up this episode of believe in horse racing i'm so happy to bring in our very first guest handicapper it is christopher higgins he is in atlanta georgia he is uh beat the chalk also known as too close to call on twitter chris are you there
1: i am there i'm here brother
0: and so you are from jamaica is that correct
1: i am from jamaica yep
0: wow when did you move here
1: um, but when I was 14, um, back in the eighties. So wow. you know, quite a while, you know, I'm more of a, um, you know, I was born in Jamaica, like I like to tell people, but I, you know, grew up in New York. So I'm more of a New York boy than anything else. But, you oh, know, okay. Been born.
0: uh-huh. Your whole thing on Twitter, you say beat the chalk. And I feel like you and I are pretty much the same in that aspect. When I first jumped into TVG, that's the first thing that I focused on 20 years ago. Is how can I beat this Pletcher favorite? How can I beat this Baffert favorite? Um, and so you pretty much try and find a way to beat the chalk every race? I
1: almost try. There are some times when I think, um, you know, I overreach a little bit. <laughs> try to oh, yeah. Beat the chalk, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm always, I'm always trying to beat the chalk.
0: <laughs> All right. What I do. All right. Let's get down to business. This Longshot Lounge. We try to find some prices for folks to play coming up this weekend. Got a couple of races that you want to uh, talk about. At Gulfstream Park coming up on Saturday, one of them is going to be the feature, the Sunshine Forever with War of Will. We'll get to that in a second. Let's start with a really interesting. Um, it's a maiden claiming event on the turf, going a mile, is your tag. It's race number six at Gulfstream Park. And uh, what kind of vibe will you get? This is kind of a wide open race.
1: Um, yeah, you have some um, you have some droppers and, um, you know, you have Fletcher with Ortiz, who I think is going to take a lot of money. But I'm leaning towards a horse um, called um, Make a Move from the Timothy Hill's barn. He's also a dropper in the race. He's stretching out from five furlongs to the mile. Um, I, know, I know Timothy's barn hasn't been burning it up right now. It's kind of cold. Um, but this one could um, turn it around for him, For him. you know, it stretches out um, off the first starts. Two good workouts since the dropping class, you know. So um, I think this one should really improve off that first effort, you know. Um,
0: on the stretch out, you think they might want to get the lead with those, those two works, or what do you think they're going to be placed?
1: Well, I think they're going to be up much closer this time around. Um, I don't think the horse want to go five furlongs, you know, um, you know, Dyna Farmer damn, yep. and um, violence, sire. So I think I think the stretch out is going to do it very well. Like I said, the two workouts since the first start, um, 48, 9 out of 35, and 48, 18 out of 47, I think signal that the horse probably is ready to improve off that you know, first effort. So I'm looking forward to putting down a little wager on that one.
0: Oh, we're going to be right with you. That looks like it's going to be the number five horse in race number six at Gulfstream Park. Make a move on Saturday, going a mile on the turf in a maiden claiming event. The tag there is $65,000 and we're not expecting any rain until Sunday, but it's Florida. So it could show up on Saturday in the middle of the card and just have to deal with it. But right now we're pretty much expecting fast and firm at that point. Pick four begins Uh, in race nine. Yep with the big uh, stake of the day, the Sunshine Forever, which is the return of Prickness winner, War of Will. What do you start there?
1: I'm looking at a horse that's may also making a second start. Um, let me pull it up here for a second. El Tormenta. So the, the, the first start was in the Appleton Grade 3. For the year, the Appleton Grade 3 um, showed a lot of speed, wide, wasn't very happy up front, you know, and just got a very keen. Then eventually... Leperu just um, kind of you know took took him in hand and um, gave, gave him a break and stuff just basically let him jog down I think the second start they take the blinkers off should calm the horse down a little bit more the horse tend, you know um, normal tendency is to be up front so it's going to be up front and I don't see the pace pressure um, in this one like it you know like in the last effort so I you know I, I think it should be you know el tormenta should be should find the the spot a lot a lot lot easier up front. Um, the Pletcher horse holiday, or I think you said it, holiday. Yep. Um, is um, should should be up close as well. But I think my horse should be um, should be the, the pace setter and maybe if Dylan can get him to settle and um, you know he can steal it. Dylan's um, been doing. When went up at ninety two. Maybe we can get higher this time.
0: All right. Well, you know what? I will see you in the Twitterverse, and we'll get this thing going coming up on Saturday. Let's get this money together, Chris. Thank you so much, man. And we'll stay in touch throughout the weekend and cash together.
1: Okay, man. No problem, brother.
0: All right. So that'll do it on the second episode of Believe in Horse Racing with Ken Rudolph. I want to thank our guest Hall of Fame jockey, Mike Smith and our guest handicapper Christopher Higgins from Atlanta, Georgia. Have a great week and a fantastic weekend of racing. Let's get this money together, and I'll see you next time.
1: Peace.